episode Gen Con is soon. That's correct. Yeah. Gen Con is coming up. This will be my third Gen Con. Oh, your third? My third. Oh yeah, that's right. You went, um... Oh right, the year... Yeah, yeah. Not last year, but the year before. Uh, this will be our second. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a good time. Yeah, last year was uh, really, really cool. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of... But it was overwhelming, because there's just like so much to see and do there, and I feel like I signed up to run some games without knowing like anything about the convention. And this year I'm not running any games, uh, which I think is going to give me more time to kind of explore all of the satellite things that are going on there, which I'm Maybe. looking forward to. Uh, yeah, well, it was interesting because the only conventions I'd really been to were Comic-Con and WonderCon before Gen Con. And I don't like uh, Comic-Con all that much. It's yeah. just overwhelming and it's just stressful. And so I, I honestly didn't know if I would like Gen Con and I loved Gen Con. Yeah. I mean, Gen Con, like you said, is also overwhelming, but yes. Comic-Con is a whole nother level yeah. well, of overwhelming. So Gen Con's overwhelming because there's so many things to do there mm -hmm. that I am interested in doing. Right. Sure. It's like, oh, how am I ever going to do all this? Comic-Con is just sensorily overwhelming. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Comic-Con is just like, there's way too much noise, there's way too much to look at, there's way too many people, there is not enough space. Right. Um, yeah. Gen Con was felt, it, while it was still crowded, it, it, st it felt much more, n like, navigable. Sure. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I felt much, it, it felt, like, less angry. In a way, I guess, than the masked crowd at yeah. Comic-Con can feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. And I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I felt, much like Megan, I was like, eh, you know, conventions, yeah. I don't know that I like them a whole lot. But Gen yeah. Con, I was like, oh, this is my place. Yeah. yeah. I it's like a this a time. lot. Yeah. And last year, we got a, a big old house to Airbnb in. And yep. that was that was a hoot. That was a hoot. That and was an experience. Very stressful. But a little yes. bit. A little bit. Because Tyler had to drive us around in one minivan. So we had to take a couple trips for yeah. 13 people staying in a house. Mm -hmm. It was a bit much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this year we're in a hotel. Yes. The so first year in a hotel. As a group. Yes. Near the convention center. Yes. So Tyler does not have to be our minivan mom yes. and shuttle <laughs> us around. Yes. And we're all rooming together, all three of us. We are, it's That's true. true. Along with Tyler. We're yeah. just going to record podcasts like all throughout the night. All night. And annoy so Tyler. So many podcasts. Hear us sleeping. <laughs> Uh, cool. Do you want to talk about night terrors? Should we move on? I mean... I mean, do, do we need to talk about that? Is that a thing that you suffer from that we should know about? Hey guys, we are Experience Pointers. We are a trio of gamers and RPG players and runners and people who definitely don't have night terrors. I mean, yeah. I'm Grav. I'm Megan. And I'm Jordan, but can we talk about whether or not you actually have night terrors? Today we're going to talk about running one-shots. Okay. Yeah. Jordan... What is a one-shot? A one-shot? Well, Garoff, thank you for asking. Uh, a one-shot is traditionally just a one-session uh, RPG game. So uh, whether it's... It's kind of just like a self-contained story uh, and game session that doesn't continue. It, it's, it's just a one-and-done kind of thing. So you play a game, you play a session, you play those characters, and then after you're done with that session, it's done. There's mm -hmm. no ongoing story. It's... Sort of like we talked about the equivalent of like a movie versus a TV show. Mm -hmm. uh, a normal campaign is sort of like an ongoing TV show. Mm -hmm. A one-shot's just like a, a feature-length movie. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's what a one-shot is. But before we get too much into talking about it, we of course need to talk about our sponsor. Ah, that's ooh. right. Experience Pointers is brought to you by uh, Ben Danish. Yay, Ben Danish! Ben Yay. Danish is our sponsor, and Ben Danish has submitted... A pun of the soap. Okay, I got this last time, so I'm ready. You did, but I don't think you're going to get it well, this time. We'll see. 
Megan, do you think you're going to get it this time? I mean, I haven't. Say yes, Megan. Yes. She's very confident and suddenly super Southern. (laughs) What do hippies do when they start going bald? Uh, what do hippies do when they start going bald? This isn't D&D related. It's, uh, it's beyond my brain. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They wear a hair piece. Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to get that. I was, I was, yeah. like, I was like, piece, what a stone P-E-A-C-E. So yeah. like, it's okay. hair, but piece, man. That's you tricky. Know? They That's wear tricky. a hair piece, man. Hair piece, yeah. yeah. Alright. So All that right. is our <laughs> a pun of the sewed from Ben Danish. Thanks, Ben Danish. Thanks, Ben Danish. So uh a reason you'd want to run a one shot uh is I that... can think of three of them. Okay, Whoa. but I'm gonna talk about one. Let's see if we got the same one. Wait, no, why don't we each talk about one? Okay. Wow, you are so You're really laying it out there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here I go. Here's one. New system. Oh. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, a reason you want to run a one-shot is that uh, maybe you've been playing D&D for a year with your gaming group, and you're like, you know what, let's try something new. I saw this new system, it's called Genesis by Fantasy Flight, and it looks really cool. So, um, maybe your gaming group takes a break and uh, you run that uh, for one night instead of running uh, whatever you've been running. And this way you can try out something with uh, just a new, a new uh, whole set of mechanics. Which is important because there are, like, I think we've talked about this before, we kind of are experiencing a, like, a renaissance in, role, in yeah. tabletop yeah. role-playing games. There are so, so many systems yeah. now that are like i think it kind of used to be and i might be you know taken to task for saying this but it's it back in the day i feel like it used to be there was D, and then there were some other weird systems <laughs> but like mostly if you played rpgs you played D, or you got like super granularly into like these other sort of like offshoot things but now sure. there's like a system for any possible kind of thing you could want to run which is awesome but there's like a plethora of choice mm-hmm. and you want to be able like there's so many things that i hear about that i'm like oh i bet that's really cool but when am i going to get the chance to play it like i'm never going to get a chance to play a full campaign for that i have so many other things going on right so yeah a one shot can be a great way to just try out one yeah. of these brand new systems it's a good mm-hmm. way to try something new mm-hmm. what's another one jordan i would say that uh running a one shot uh, can be a great chance to sort of shuffle things up at the table. So um, a lot of GMs will run one-shots when uh, their full gaming group can't make it. So whenever I've run home games, I typically have like some sort of policy where as long as we have a majority of the players there, we'll continue to run our ongoing game. But if like l- less than half or, or less than a majority of the players show up, we won't run the ongoing game, but I'll run them through something anyways because we set aside that time to uh, play in a game. So if you have missing players or uh, and, and you don't want to continue on with your full campaign without the input of a lot of the important players in that campaign, that can be a good time to run a one-shot. Or if you want to shuffle things up even more at the table, uh, maybe because you have missing players, or maybe like you said, Grav, your group just wants to try a new system out, uh, running a one-shot can be a great chance to get out of the GM seat and let one of your players into the GM seat so they can get some experience running a game, maybe with a new system, maybe with the system you've been running, um, but it kind of lets other people get their feet wet uh, in the GM chair without having the pressure of having to come up with a whole campaign. They just have to play one session, one run one session, mm-hmm. which yeah. is a, a much lower stakes way of starting to GM 
Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Trying to just start off with a whole campaign sounds like a nightmare. Yep. That's yep. what I did when I started running D&D. Not only did I decide I was going to run a whole campaign, I decided uh, I'll also design my own game world. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Real smart. Yeah, it didn't go well. <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, uh, how about you, Megan? Uh, well, I also think... Uh, Jordan, you talk about this a lot with Wild Cards, our uh, Savage Worlds, Deadlands Reloaded show on Saving Throw, um, that is kind of a gritty, um, grounded tone, I suppose, in a show or in a in a in a campaign, and uh, it doesn't leave a lot of room always for us to be goofy and crazy, and then we kind of find over time that we kind of need that pressure release. So it's nice to change the tone. So if you have a game that is often like, say your your D and D game that you're running is often very, um, like you know people are dying or there's like a heavier uh, uh, element to the story that you're telling, it can be nice to kind of get out of that and just do something goofy and crazy and wacky. Or maybe you're doing like some sort of horror mystery thing and instead you want to be like superheroes. It, it kind of gives you the opportunity to 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 get out of whatever the tone or or uh, the world is that you're currently in in your current system and just try something else just to to shake it up a bit give yourself a break from maybe even just fantasy i mean i, I have often found as much as i like fantasy sometimes it's kind of like i'm getting tired of this you yeah know, i want to i don't know let's do like a modern city or post-apocalyptic or i mean there, there are a lot of different things you can do so it's kind of like a just a flavor change a palate cleanser yeah and the important thing about doing uh one shots for any of these reasons is they can expose your group to some new things and maybe even change the campaign that you're running like there sure. there are definitely possibilities um trying out a new system giving someone else a chance to gm changing up the pace and tone where your group might go you know what I kind of like this better than what we were doing. Yeah. Or like, you know what? I'm. I was kind of getting burned out on GMing. I had a really good time sitting here and playing, and I felt like yeah. you handled that really well. Like, what if we just kind of gave our old campaign a rest and tried this new one for a bit? And your group never would have found that if you haven't given if you hadn't given it a shot. Yeah. Essentially, mm -hmm. a one shot. Oh. And you can take that into the bank. Oh, cool. Oh, Megan didn't like it. Yeah, Grav said it was cool, but Megan, <laughs> Megan played me a sad wah. trombone. <laughs> um, so what makes a one-shot different from a full-fledged year-long campaign? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Grav. Why don't you tell us? What, me? No, Grav. Oh. oh, you're looking at me, I so know. that's confusing. But they don't know that. <laughs> they don't, but now they do because I told them. They don't know how confusing I am to record with because <laughs> I'm never looking at the person who I'm talking to. It's a bit weird. He's now looking at that dog he's, outside the window. He's usually looking in a mirror. Mm, yeah. Mm. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the ways that it's different is that... Uh, you have to think, uh, coming into this game, if you're the GM, you have to plan the game a bit differently because, like Jordan mentioned earlier, that it is a movie. It is a self-contained, uh, usually much longer than a movie, usually three, four, five hours, however long uh, it's going to be, but it's it's a movie. But this movie... Uh, needs to be... Modern day movies are pretty long. Well, I, I guess that's also true. <laughs> yeah. But regardless, each of those movies needs to have, you know, that beginning, middle, and end, and the planning of it needs to be for each of those phases as well. So you have to plan uh, the pacing of, of that movie correctly. So wait, Garab, you're saying that I should not use a one-shot as a way to build a franchise and just tell the beginning of a story with the 
assuredness that that audiences are gonna love this and we're gonna get four to five more movies afterwards yeah you're not marvel studios so don't be that you can put a little fun cliffhanger at the end if you want but beyond that everything in there should be all the loose ends should be gotten within that one session that one shot that you're doing everything should be tied in a nice little bow and done. It's self-contained. Self-contained. With the potential for more. Yeah. So so kind of like the way that, you know, movies probably should be. Jordan, look at me when you're talking. What? There's a mirror over there. Who, who is it that you're, uh, like, trying to say this at right now, Jordan? Basically, any any young adult um, movie that is uh, that has taken a popular young adult series and has turned it into a film... With the like, with just the guarantee in their minds that they're like, we're gonna get a trilogy out of this. Have you done like research on our viewers and found that most of them are studio execs? <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> if any of you are studio execs, please reconsider. I'm just, I'm just saying, I feel like we're going off like a. Just reconsider. That's all I'm got saying. Some bone to pick with someone, and you're utilizing the podcast. J.J. Abrams is listening right now. I was like, man, that Jordan's right. Let's oh, good. <laughs> That's good indeed. J.J. Uh, Abrams, if you are listening, uh, you've got some actors here. At least one. I won't speak for you guys. but I'll be an actor. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're looking for anybody. How hard could it be? Uh, Megan, what do you got? Well, I think one of the big things that I personally think is important is to do pre-made characters. Have the GM build them. I just think whenever you're, whenever you're running a one-shot, uh, to have the players... First of all, it takes time to have them build a character. And... For me personally, if I'm building a character, I'm in, I'm investing in that character. And to only be able to play with them for one game is kind of... I, I feel like it's really, really easy to overthink that and to make a character more complicated potentially than you have the time to play out. And I think that can be an, a hindrance sometimes to actually enjoy the game. At least that's been my experience. Maybe not all players do that. And, and it might be possible that there's a player who goes... I've really wanted to play this character. I just want to try it. But even that feels very much like it would be better to put into a campaign. Unless they're like, oh, I hated that character. Great. I'm glad I found that out. But, you know, that's that's a gamble. Um, I think it just allows you to get down into the system and get down into the game a lot quicker. Um, and potentially, I mean, you know, not that you need to put this upon your players, but I feel like it gives you the opportunity and your players the opportunity to play something they might not have thought of, which I think is a really great use of a one shot. Um, would you assign characters to your players or would you just have like, here are the, you know, four or five pre-made characters, everybody pick one. I think it would depend upon my goal for the one shot. Cause I think sure. you could have, I mean, like we talked about before, why you would run one. Um, I think there could be any number of goals for it. It could be that everybody wants to try something new. It could be whatever. It could, it could be that you're like, well, I've organized this and I know my players and I think I want this player to play this because I need this thing to happen, whatever. Um, but for the most part, I would be more likely to let people pick. Just simply because I, I can't I, I can't really think of a reason to be that specific about it. Yeah. It, as a GM, you can actually make more characters than there are people at the table. Right, And yeah. then just let them pick out of the, the spread that you have. That yeah. too. And, and also along the lines, if it's a new system that you guys are trying mm-hmm. out, to, to put that extra work on your players. I mean, it'd be great if they, you know, like maybe read up, read up about the system. But... To, to make them go through the process of building a character just for a one shot just feels mm-hmm. it feels like a lot of investment in something that is not going to last for very long mm-hmm. and I think that can distract from the one shot yeah and as always your mileage may vary for this you sure know, you know your game group best but like for for most of the players that I have ever GM'd for none of them are 
quick when it comes to creating a character. No mm-hmm. one's like, I want to play this. And I'm like, okay, what specialties do you want? And they're like, these two, and that's it. I'm done. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, well, tell me more about these. And like, okay, <laughs> like, it seems like it would be fun to do that. Well, and you only have this one session to play, so you right. don't want to burn half of it creating characters. Right, and I think in this instance, especially when you're dealing with a one-shot in general, less is more is a good thing, is a good, uh, whatever the word is for that, but a, a good sentence to follow yeah and i mean (laughs) sentiment sentiment i'll I'll say i'll I'll say on not on the subject of whether it's sentiment or sentence i'll just say on on this subject um you mentioned earlier uh, in wild cards how we need to change the pace sometimes which is why at the end of most of the wild card seasons i'll run prickly tall stag and the danger seekers comma pairs which is a ridiculous almost parody of sword and sorcery games yeah and i created your characters for you and I, ma- right. I assigned you your characters as basically the opposite personality of the characters you guys played in Wild Card. Right, and in that instance, again, that's one of those very specific, like, I'm doing this specifically for you to do to put you in a different spot so that it's completely different from what we're playing. And, and you, yes, you did that directly. I, I did that. So, because, and, and, and again, you may not always want to do this, but sometimes players get stuck in a rut of, like, I always play this kind of character. Like, and and a lot of times they have fun with that. You know, that they always play that kind of character because that's the kind of game they enjoy playing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they can do that to the exclusion of all other things and may not know that there are other kinds of players or other kinds of characters they enjoy doing. So if you feel like your group would be amenable to it and it sounds fun to you, you might consider mm-hmm. making the characters ahead of time and then assigning them to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think there, mm-hmm. it could be fun, like sort of like you did for Prickly Tall Stag, is to take the opportunity to build a character for somebody that's a little different to me than just making pre-made characters uh just going here here are pre-made characters you guys do whatever right. but to go okay i know what this person normally does and mm-hmm. i'm gonna yeah you know, give them something completely different i, mean, I think there's yeah. a different it's one thing to do, do that because we're doing it on stream and it's a little different but in a home game i think that would be very dependent upon your players and the relationship you have with them and because exactly. you know, not every player is going to appreciate that. Right, yeah. And, that, and also, that if you're learning a new system as a new GM, that's a really good way to also learn some of the mechanics is making characters yes. for your players. Yes. You'll learn a lot just making characters. And you can also, if you assign the characters, you can kind of help your players out too. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if you have you know, a couple players at the table who just naturally are better at, at learning sure. rules and stuff, you're like, okay, you get to be the more complicated characters. Whereas this person who just doesn't pick up new mechanics very easily, like you can be the 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 more simplified character class like you know you're the run up and hit stuff fighter or you know things like that 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 are more not going to stress them out you know right. make sure everyone has a good time right um i i would say another huge way that one shots are different than an ongoing campaign is that both as the gm and and as a player in a one shot you can take way bigger risks because there's no there there's a different sense of ownership like yeah. you're just playing this one game so if your character dies that's okay you don't want to die immediately. You don't want your first action to be like, I jump off this building. Um, or maybe you do. I don't know what kind of game you're playing. Um, <laughs> but but in on the whole, you can take bigger risks, both with the way that you choose to play the character. So like, I'm going to make this guy just be real wacky and out there because this isn't something I have to sustain for a long period of time and make it make sense. This is just for tonight. Or you're, I'm going to take like some really dangerous risks because I think it might be cool if it works. And if it blows up in our faces, that would also be fun. Right. And sure. you don't have that same attachment like, but I really don't want my character to die. You're like, right. I don't care about Jeff. I just met Jeff. Like, Jeff has no bearing on my life right, right. now. Like, yeah. Jeff can die. 
Um, and then same thing as the GM, you can put your players into much deadlier situations without fear of them getting mad at you for killing off their beloved characters because it doesn't matter. There's After this, the slate gets wiped clean and you go back to your ongoing game or, or something like that. Right. So um, you can really do all of that like huge out there kind of stuff mm -hmm. with it. Um, or, you know, just, just random silly ideas that you've had percolating in the back of your head. I always have like, I don't know, 15 of those at any time as a GM because <laughs> that's just the way my brain works. Um, <laughs> It's a great way to just be like, just blow one of those up and be like, let's, I'm going to just, I've never run a cyberpunk dystopia, but I'm going to run one mm -hmm. so hard right now. I'm going to so see how many tropes I could fit into this <laughs> one session and just like go crazy because it doesn't matter. It's just a one and done thing. Right. Um, so take the risks. And as players, you know, like try weird stuff. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. try some suboptimal things. Yeah. Like have fun with it and, and don't be as focused on your constant survival, your constant, you know, yeah. well-being. Lose a leg. Yeah, you know? lose a leg. <laughs> Do have, a, have a superpower where you spit, you know? Have a superpower where you spit. <laughs> yeah. And that's your superpower. That's spitting, it. Spitting superpower. Spitty McSpitface. Yeah. That was close to what her name was. Miss, Mrs. Spittington. Mrs. Spittington. Mrs. Yes. Spittington. There's a history behind this. This, oh, was, yeah. this was a Roll for Shoes. This was the roll second for Roll for Shoes game uh, you she, ever played in. I didn't know that was her name. <laughs> Mrs. Spittington. Okay. Yeah, and you were uh, you were a guy who had like a Knight Rider style watch, Garav. Uh, oh, Swissy. Yeah. It was a Swissy. It was a Swiss yeah. Army watch named Swissy. That's right. I love Swissy. <laughs> um, so, uh, what are some tips that we can give our uh, listeners for running? A one-shot. Um, Great question, Garof. Should um, I just answer it myself? I think so. <laughs> okay, here's one. Use your time wisely. Yes. Uh, so, like I said earlier, you only have uh, a limited amount of time, usually one night. So, I mean, I guess your one-shot could be as long as 23 hours and 59 minutes. <laughs> I guess is, you know. Is that the cutoff point? It can't go 24 hours and 10 minutes? If it's 24 hours, it's legally a campaign. Okay. So, wow, really? you have to be under that mark. We didn't talk about that in our definition of a one-shot. Well, Maybe we should go back and add that. That's what it is. Don't Jeez. do it. It's your players will hate you. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you have a limited amount of time and you want to use that wisely. Typically so, three to six hours. I would Typically. say on average a game group is going to have three to six hours for a game session. Sure. Right, but it depends. It could be longer, it could be shorter, it could be two hours. Like, But you want to use that time wisely. If it is two hours, you probably want to have a very quick combat, if any. But if it really depends on what kind of players are at your table and what they want out of a game too. And what the system's like. And what the system's like. But if, yeah. if the, this is a new system and something that you guys are changing it up and maybe your regular D&D or Pathfinder or whatever game is a lot of like social stuff, maybe this is a combat heavy to try something new. But regardless, use that time wisely. Know how long a combat takes if it's a new system, you know? Like figure that stuff out in your head and time it out and uh, make sure you're using that time wisely. And, and I mean, you may not know how long combat takes if it's a new system because mm -hmm. you've never run it before, but it's, it's important, I think, more so than in an ongoing game to really regiment out what you want from the session like you have to tell you have to tell a complete story because you only have that session right so like no like okay i'm going to do one hour of the intro and rp with the quest giver then there's going to be uh one hour of exploration a one hour fight you know like loosely have it scheduled out and if things start to move over that time have give yourself ways to kind of segue 
more quickly into another thing. Like, if combat is taking way longer than you thought it would in this new system, figure out a way to cut it short. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that you can move on and finish telling your story. Because in an ongoing game, you guys can go like, well, we'll stop here for the night and we'll pick that up next yep. week. But you can't do that in a one-shot if you're only running it that one time. Right. So you want to make sure you can end it in a satisfying way. You definitely don't want to be like, and that's, I don't know, we're somewhere in the middle, but I gotta go home because my wife is expecting me, so. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I think along those lines, you 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 also need to keep your story in mind. I mean, that's sort of what you were saying anyway. But but I mean, if you go, okay, I got three hours. You want to tell a beginning, middle, and end, and that means that you have to take into consideration. I mean, yes, if it's a new system, you may not know, but you have to take into consideration how long your combat's going to be. Uh, how maybe if you know your players how long they like to talk. Are they long-winded with RP or do they not really like RP and they jump from battle to battle? I don't know. Uh, but you have to take those into co in consideration. And I do really think it is important for a one-shot to feel satisfying, to have the beginning, middle, and end. I mean, you think about it like a movie or any kind of, you know, story. If it's, I mean, if it just kind of, you know, ends, it's just like, and you never get to the dragon or, what you know, whatever it is you're trying to <laughs> right. get to. Like, that's just going to be... I've played, I've played in a couple one-shots like that, where it's like oh, no. the GM just like really mismanaged their time, or the players just were like way too out of control, and it was like, all right, and that's time, and like we've just gotten into the dungeon you were supposed to explore, I guess, whatever, bye. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very unsatisfying. Yeah, th th this is another thing where I, generally speaking, really think that less is more is better. I, I really think when you're planning a story, I mean, it's just like the very first game I ran, the Magic and Mischief game was a was a one-shot, and it was very much, uh, you know, uh, okay, this is my, the basic thing that I want to be happening and they need to get from here to here and I just need to make sure that there are things in place for them to do that without making it overly complicated. And then when I did the mini campaign, it was essentially the same, except I had three sessions basically to tell that story. And so it was a completely different planning process in that way. So, and it was more complicated and added more elements. And of course, if you're dealing with a campaign, then that's something else entirely. You know, everybody looks at probably, or I'm, do, does build campaigns differently. <laughs> anyway, sure. words are failing me, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I do think that it is really easy to, um, if you're not used to looking at things in story structure, in a lot of ways, being a GM is sort of like being a writer. So I think considering it that way, considering your story is really important. And you know, if you're not used to that kind of stuff and you need help constructing a one-shot, a very useful uh, framework for that is the five-room dungeon that we talked about in previous episodes. Oh, that, yeah. is a, that is a very good framework to hang a one-shot on because it tells True. a uh, satisfying story with beats, uh, beginning, a middle, and an ending. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely check that out. I will also say, and I think we should link to this in the show notes, um, uh, you guys know I'm a fan of uh, Savage Worlds, the Wait. the RPG system Savage Worlds. What is it? I think uh, it's it's called Savage Worlds. I might have mentioned it once or twice oh. before. Um, but they have uh, these brilliant, I think, um, adventure tools called uh, one sheets. So these are their pre-written adventures, and they're called one sheets because they fill up the front and back of one sheet of paper, and that is their full game session. And when before I ran Savage Worlds, I read some of these, and I was like, how? How does this front and back sheet of paper, half of which is a stat block for a boss monster, fill up an entire game session? H how? That's not possible. But then I ran a couple, and they really, really do. So uh, I think in the show notes, I'd like to link to one, the first one sheet that I ran, 
um, so that you guys can take a look at it and figure out, like, along the lines of what Megan was saying, less is more, how little you really have to have in order to be able to hang an entire three to four hour game session yeah. on yeah. it. Yeah, you really, and you know what, and I will say this, <laughs> I have experienced not having enough before uh, in a session and it, you know it, it, it's it that is just not it's not a bad problem to have yeah i really think having because because generally speaking like that that particular session my players were completely new to one another completely it was a completely new game so it, it, you know it made sense it was, it was pretty new to me as well um but most likely when you're running a one shot most likely that is not your experience most likely your table knows each other most likely uh you've played together before and most likely, I would guess, they're going to interact, you know, they're, they'll probably be more long-winded or want to focus on something more or play with something more. So yeah. I just really, I really think it's hard to have too little. And of course, what I was doing was on stream that had a very particular time limit. So that's different. For the yeah, most part, sure. most of you aren't being like, oh, we have to get all the way to 11. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also, my, my tip, I think, along sort of along those lines, if you're running a new system, or you're a new GM running a one-shot, or, or anything like that, it's very important that at least you know the rules fairly well. You don't have to know them in and out. You don't have to have the sort of expertise that comes with having run a system and seen the way it works in play versus the way it works on paper. But you should know the system well enough to be able to teach it to your players very quickly. Or um, maybe print up some, uh, the, for many, many RPG systems, even the smaller ones, uh, people have already done the work ahead of time of putting together a list, like a quick reference guide that you can just print up and have at the table for your yeah, players to look great. at. Um, but know it well enough that you can answer their basic questions about the basic mechanics of the system and that you don't have to spend your whole time with your nose in a book. Because again, you only have the, the on average three to six hours that you have for that one session, you don't want to waste a whole lot of time with everyone trying to read and figure out the way that something works. In a one shot, err on the side of just going like, whatever, we'll do it like this and move forward. It, because it doesn't matter. You don't have continuity to keep in track where like six six sessions from now, one of your players is gonna be like, oh, remember you let me do that that one time. Yeah. It doesn't matter, it's a one shot. Yeah. Right. So um, keep it moving. Yeah. And in order to do that, it's very, very helpful if you know the rules. Like, yeah. So take the time ahead of time to read through them and, and at least begin the process of understanding how they work. Like maybe run, uh, if, if the system has combat, run a quick sample combat for yourself just so you get the, the practice yeah. of how, how it flows, how it moves, uh, pitfalls that you might not have anticipated. Uh, again, there's also a lot of things for systems on the internet, on Reddit threads or, or forum threads where you can just find people saying like, what are the top 10 things that you think a new GM for this system should know? Yeah. And people that have a lot of experience will be like, this is one tricky rules interaction that a lot of people mess up and it works like this. Like, just take a little time to read that ahead of time and it'll, it'll pay off in spades at, yeah. at, at your game. Yeah, it's more important to knock down the feel and like theme and tone of whatever this one shot is than to get the rules a hundred percent correct. Yes, you by no means need to be an expert. Yeah, and and I know we've been talking about uh, running one shots as like a game group that wants to take a break, but you could also think about people want to run one shots as like a new game group that just got together and wants to run a few one shots to figure out what system they want to play going sure. forward. So yeah. this is almost like an audition or a pitch for that uh, for that game or system to be the one that. That you run for another year or something. Yeah. 
So it's something to think about if you are considering running a one-shot. Or, or and I guess that's one other reason along those lines. Um, one-shots are really great for introducing new RPG players to the game. Sure. Because then you don't have to give them all the pressure of, like, build a character, but build one you're going to love because you're right. stuck with it for a while. It's like, right. just let's sit down, play it, we'll show you how it works, and then you can decide if you want to keep playing. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I love one-shot games. Um, I, I like the freedom that comes with them, and I like being able to play with things in a different way and learn new systems. Yeah. So uh, mm -hmm. if, if, if you haven't given yourself the freedom to run one-shots and play in them, try it out. Mm -hmm. what's, a, what's a system you'd recommend for a one-shot? I mean, for a one-shot, for a one-shot, okay. I, I really like rules light systems. Mm -hmm. um, Such as? Uh, Roll for Shoes. Yep, that's is, a great one. Roll for Shoes, I think, is a great, uh, they call them like beer and pretzels RPGs. So like your game group, like especially in the instance that everyone's not there, or maybe everyone's there, but they're like, I'm just not feeling it tonight. I just want to play something lighthearted and casual, like while we hang out. Like, let's hang out and play a game. Um, Roll for Shoes is great for that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's lighthearted. It often gets crazy. Um, it's very, very easy to learn and play. Uh, I, I love it. I think it's a great casual RPG There's for a one-shot. also some systems, just when I was running Mysterium that I looked up, Rises was the one that I used that's a very rules-light system that you could very easily, like you guys could sit down similar to that and just go, let's do something else, and you could pull up Rises and probably run it right there. Oh, okay. I mean, it's, it's, there's more to it than Roll for Shoes, for sure. Right. But you don't, it doesn't need to be that complicated. It's like a four page system. Um, but there's another, there's some other rules light systems and I forget what this one was called. It was like Lady Blackbird. I think Oh yeah. Lady Blackbird is not only a system, but it's also a world. So, so right And an there, adventure. And an adventure. Yes. So right there it's, it, and it seems, I've not played it myself, but it's actually seems like something that would be interesting to check into. It seems a little steampunky, like Victorian era type. Cool. It's setting. free too. It's free. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. um, so we should post a link to we'll it link in to the, it. in the show notes. And we can link to Rises as well, uh, which we probably had before when we talked about Mysterium, but yes. we'll do it again. Uh, but yeah, so there, there's a lot of different stuff like that. And then that, and then that right there, if you're just like, well, I just want to try something different than, you know, something like Lady Black. And from what it seems like, just in my limited research I did of rules light systems at the time, there's a lot of that kind of stuff out there. Yeah. Whether or not it's good, I don't know. You got to try it. But yeah, and, and yeah, again, the cool thing about Lady Blackbird as a one-shot system is like the adventure is already pre-written for you. Mm -hmm. So like okay. you literally, the thing about Lady Blackbird is the way the different ways every game group plays through this adventure. Mm -hmm. So, but it's it's already there for you. So that's even less prep work you have to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. What yeah. um, one of the systems I'll recommend is probably more complicated than most of those, but not super complicated, is Gamma World, which is actually based off Fourth Edition Dungeons and Dragons. Which, if you haven't played it, it's Fourth Edition was very much like almost like a video game version of D and D, yes. <laughs> where like characters had like abilities you can use. But that kind of works well for a one shot because yeah. it's very simple and easy to understand what you can do and when you can do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and Gamma World's really fun because uh, basically when you start you make a character that's a, a combination of a mutation of two things and there's a character generator online which basically you pick two things and it generates everything else. Or you can randomize those two things too. So you could be like a slime wheel that's sentient. Like that's a real thing. You could just be that. There's, a, there's like 30 options that you can mix and match, and it just becomes a weird thing. And you die a lot. You're supposed to die often so you can make a new character, hmm. uh, especially even in a one-shot. You're supposed to die like every now and again. But um, that's one system I'd recommend, with a little more crunch. 
And that's like a whole box set you can it buy, is. right? Yeah, I don't think it's in print anymore, Probably but if you can not. find it, it's it's an awesome box set. And I think there's two expansions. There's like cards that come with it as well. Right, the it's, mutation cards yes, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I remember it's, reading about that. It's pretty great, actually. It's one of my, my uh, favorite systems. Hmm. Um, so that's our that's our info on running one shots. I yeah. think we covered it uh, fairly well. Yeah. Why not? We move on to the question, question of the so 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 what we're doing okay so uh this question was posted in the rpg subreddit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the question comes from user lardalish and they ask what kind of adventures to run in a fantasy urban setting um they go on to say that the uh most of their experience in rpg adventures tend to be on focused on exploration and dungeon delving they're very much talking about a, a like your traditional DD &D style game here uh where cities are a restocking and quest-giving hub, but not really much else. Uh, maybe there's a side quest or something, but largely you're leaving to go find fantastic places and, uh, you know, clear them out of monsters and take their treasure. Right. But this uh, person is wanting to run an urban campaign to change things up, and they're wanting to know what sort, like, what are the day-to-day -day common adventures that you run in an urban fantasy setting. So like not not like a modern urban fantasy, but like if you're doing D&D &D, but you want the setting to primarily be a city. Oh, I see. Um what like you know, the city is is not filled with like dragon's lairs and stuff like that most of the time. So what what is your day-to-day -day adventuring look like in an, in a fantasy urban setting? Oh, well I I mean I think generally speaking most most of your adventures really the, the difference is just the coat of paint that you put on them. it's the tone that you put on it so so it could be the same it could be that your um adventurers are like somebody uh is has a bunch of like a shopkeep is like all, all these things are being stolen and you track down it's essentially sort of a a, a crime sort of thing so you're tracking it down and you find uh this guy goes down to this basement you go down to the basement and that can sort of be a dungeon except that you're building it uh you know with the flavor of what would be in a basement as opposed to what might be in a dungeon and then um, part of your dungeon is uh like kind of setting up the stakeout of this place right. at night so mm -hmm. like that's part of it's just navigating the alleyways yep. of the city at night like right. that's that becomes part of the dungeon crawl yeah in so, in, so in a lot of ways i mean you're the, the difference is, you know, maybe they're not, uh, they won't have some random encounter, like, you know, they're taking, they're sleeping for the night and somebody's keeping watch to make sure that, you know, some random monster doesn't wander up. Instead, maybe they have to sleep somewhere, but someone's been following them, you know, and so they need to have somebody keep watch to, to, to see if they can figure out who it is or, or whatever. It can be anything. Or if you just think about it, these, it's, it's similar, but you're just setting it in in a city in which there are more people there are they are dealing with nature in a different way but most likely there's going to be more social interaction right and it also you know kind of along the lines of what you're saying there's different sensibilities there's different worries and fears like right. mm -hmm. you don't have to make camp you stay somewhere right. in a city but but where are you staying right where are you staying um how are you affording it uh, all that kind of stuff. Is but, it safe? And and if it is safe, then you don't have to post watch at night. But yeah. what other challenges do you do you have? It just sort of changes the priorities that your that your players have. And I think um, you can do a much heavier focus in uh, cityscapes at, on uh, intrigue and conspiracy and things like that. 
that you can't really do in the same way, like, mm-hmm. out in the wilds of a fantasy world. Right. One thing I will say, though, maybe this is a little side bit, but um, I think it kind of depends upon... You also have to take into consideration the characters that your your players will be playing, because traditionally, I feel like in Dungeons & Dragons, you know, like, if you put a druid in a city, it's not that they can't do anything in a city, they can't. Uh, but as we know from our Breaking right? the Mold no, episodes, no, no, no. you can be a city druid. But what I'm saying is, if this is a one-shot we're talking about, or if this is just a, we're taking, we're stepping outside of a... This is an on, For this question, it's an ongoing okay. campaign. Okay, then if it's an ongoing campaign, yes, then, then, then that's kind of a moot point. But that's sort of what I was saying, is just, if you're taking characters from something that where they're used to being not in cities and putting them in cities you want to take into the considerations what your the strengths of your players and their pcs and that's a good point too when you're building characters you want to let your players know like hey we're going to be playing an urban setting so maybe a nature druid is not going to be the best character for you to play because you're not going to be in nature a lot you're in a mega city because i feel like either i played in a game or someone talked about this, but having done something like that, like having created like a nature druid, and then they were like, well, we were in cities all the time, or we were in locations, or like the, the particular type of druid they were, they were always in locations where it wasn't helpful. Right. And, and you know, Which and sucks. that's, yeah. that does suck. And that was a, mis- that's a, that's a poor communication, sure. you know, issue between player and GM and, and, and that's kind of a different issue, but but that's important because you know at the end of the day this is a fun game that everybody's playing together and yeah. you want everybody to have fun. Yeah. So I, I think also uh, talking about city settings and doing things there, I think it's a good time to teach your players a little bit about consequences because like yes yeah. they could be put into uh, following someone into a basement and then they slaughter everybody, and they come out, and the guard's like, why did you murder all those people? You're going to jail. Right. Like, you can't just do that in a city. You have to, like, follow a process. Unless, like, the city guard sent you down there, which, why would they? They're the city guard. They will do it. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to think about what you're doing and who it affects in a city, because there's yes. there's tons of people around you. you got to think about them instead of just you being the focus of the story. This isn't the lawless frontier anymore. Right. This is civilization, and yes. civilization has rules. Yes. Well, yeah, and it really... Um... Yeah, it, it is. I remember one of the first games I played was actually a superhero game where, you know, we oh, yeah. half destroyed a city. Yeah. And, and we were like, yeah, look at us. How we saved we you. We saved you. And then, of course, you know, the city came to us the next day. And they were like, okay, well, how are you going to pay for all this damage? Yeah. Like, they were like, they so, were like, kind of screw you guys. So, like, <laughs> yeah, and I want to make it clear. I don't want you to, like, trap your players into that. Like, oh, don't yeah, just, yeah. like, get them mugged in an alley and they kill the mugger. And our guards are like, why'd you murder that guy? Don't trap them into it. Yeah. But, like... Let them know. Ease them yeah, into it. Yeah, ease them into it that it's not like you can do anything. And also, like, other ideas are, like, I love doing heists. Heists are amazing in D&D. Like, that's one of my favorite things to, like, play in and run. And getting good ideas for that are super easy. There's tons of movies you can watch. There's tons of video games you can play that give you ideas for heists. But another thing you can do in cities is run, like, a very fancy dinner party. Like, just a fancy social gathering where your players are maybe a little out of their skin because they're like, this isn't what we normally do, but there's some sort of information or some artifact, something we have to get out of this party. Or someone here is trying to poison someone else, but we have to figure out who we need to protect and who is trying to go after them. Because they can't slaughter everybody. Right. That's not an option. I mean, they can, but once again, consequences. Right. Got to think about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's just it's kind of a different sensibility. So I yeah. think I think uh, I think we covered that. We did it. Yeah. So nice did job, it. guys. Good job. Another episode in the can. Yeah. Wow. All right, you guys ready for the finish? Can you look at me this time, Jordan? I'm gonna look just... right at this mirror. Come on. Oh, okay, I'll look at you. All right, ready? One, two, three. <laughs> Let's go. This podcast has been a Saving Throw production. 
You can connect with us on Twitter at expointerspod, and you can follow each of the hosts on Twitter at their respective handles. Jordan is at Jordan Kellerman, Megan is at Megan Caves, and Garav is at GXG. You can also watch us streaming RPGs and more at the Saving Throw Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash savingthrowshow. If you want to listen to new episodes of this podcast early, consider becoming a Saving Throw Patreon backer. Patrons at the $10 and up level can listen to new episodes a week early. You can also help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you found it to get the word out. Thanks for listening. 